Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season nine, episode three. We're coming to you today from the place where Abraham Lincoln found out that he had been elected president of the United States. Now, I don't mean right here in this video room. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but in the city of Columbus, Ohio. Wow, I did not know that. Is where he found that. Yeah, I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I am Alan, the Director of Development in Eastern PA, and always amazed that you are a compendium of nearly useless information. Yes, nearly. So Abraham Lincoln being elected president is not useless information. I suppose not. Alan. But, you know, the fact of where he was when he found out, that's pretty That's pretty small space in my brain. But you know what? I'll never forget it now, thanks to you. So yep. thank you for and, that. And I never knew it until, uh, you know, prep for this uh, particular podcast absolutely so isaac charles is with us our producer and and uh, andy carr our videographer is uh, with us great to have them both absolutely. along they make it happen they do make it happen they make us sound better and now they make us look better i know our first season of as video. well I, i'm wondering if i should like do makeup before we go on these videos alan what do you think uh, i'm thinking no Probably I'm just going to say no and not add a comment to that. So That's our guest bet. and interviewee today is a good friend, Jonathan Weibel. Yes, Jonathan Weibel. Uh, good friend. I've known him for a long time. You've known him for longer than I have. What, yeah, uh, I think our relationship goes way back to our youth ministry days back in the 90s yeah. together. And then we were church planning buddies as well, planning churches at the same time. And uh, Long, long history with Jonathan Weibel, over a quarter of a century, which just makes it hard for me to even admit that. Yeah. So we've both uh, sat under his worship leadership. Yes. We've been involved with him and overseeing church plant work that yep. he was a part of. And now he's launched this new thing called Front Yard Mission. Front Yard Mission. So what what's that all about, Alan? I mean, honestly, he's trying. he is dedicated to helping believers love their neighbor. You know, the great commandment to love God by heart, soul, mind, strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And he is passionate about this and laser focused on it. And for Jonathan, as you'll see here, to be laser focused on anything is a major accomplishment. But he's so passionate that he is focused on this. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautiful, honestly. It, it, it honestly inspires me. And passion is contagious. So I hope it will be contagious to all of our listeners today as they listen to Jonathan's passion. So grab yourself a house blend at the pumping station in Bullsburg, PA. Sit back, relax. Here we go. So we're pleased to welcome Jonathan Weibel to Equipping You podcast. Jonathan, thanks for taking the time. Glad to have you with us today. Hey, long time listener. Um, love you guys. Appreciate equipping you university. First time caller. There you go. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for calling. Uh, Is that what I'm so, supposed to say? That I'm yeah, that's it. Like that's that? it. Okay. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. that. Yeah. Yes. So we like to help our listeners get to know our guests a little bit. We probably don't want them to know everything, Jonathan. So, you know, hold back a little. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to faith in Christ and, and your call to ministry? 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I grew up in a Catholic town. It was 60, 70% Catholic, a uh, little town called Bellevue, Ohio. So up the road oh. from you guys right now. Yeah. So Bellevue means beautiful view, which I am certain was named ironically. Um, <laughs> if you've never been to Bellevue, there's no beautiful views there at all. So it's kind of like calling your great Dane tiny. <laughs> and uh so i or your birdie's mountain dog in your case that's right exactly exactly so i loved growing up in a small town and we had a fantastic little neighborhood and it was great i think the roots of my neighboring started there but um, i was not a believer growing up i became catholic um i got I went through catechism and and became Catholic when I was younger because that's what everybody did and and all the good looking girls were Catholic so why not so <laughs> I signed up. And, you just uh, offended all evangelical girls listening to equipping you. Pie. Oh, way to go, John! I mean, <laughs> sorry about that. There's the only ninety nine. There are many. I I think many of the evangelical girls there are lovely vessels for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. I, just, <laughs> I think that's just the way it is. Um, so anyhow, but I really wasn't, I believed in God, really wasn't a believer. My parents weren't believers. They were definitely Christmas and Easter Christians. And my, I have four other brothers, none of them were believers. They all, by, by the way, they all became believers later on in life, which is, pretty exceptional um i got to see my parents as a christian i got to see my parents come to faith and get baptized so that's that's kind of unusual but um yeah i i was kind of like a punk kid you know as i drank a lot smoked a lot of dope and got a opportunity to play baseball at bowling green state university so i went there and i kind of came to christ it was a bit flukish um, because my roommate, who is also a baseball player, we were up smoking hash one night. I think a lot of your guests talk about this. Um, <laughs> so we were smoking hash. And, what, <laughs> and I'm not a proponent of this. I'm just saying this is what happened. You're telling um, your story, man. Yeah. I'm telling my story. And um, so we were high one night. We were watching television and a uh, advertisement came on for a book this is gonna sound super cheesy all right so bear with me and and we a, a book came on advertisement called the power for living i don't know if anybody will remember that but i think it was a bill bright book and it had all these testimonies of christian athletes and um my roommate and i because we were so high we were making fun of it making fun of christians but he thought it would be a good practical joke to to send me the book for my birthday so he wrote down the phone number on this advertisement and sent it to me and so i had this book power for living and we got a good laugh out of it that summer i moved to philadelphia to um play play baseball in the summer and work out there and my neighbors that i lived next to i didn't know them but they started reaching out to me and every night during the summer, they invited me over for dinner, and we would, uh, they would pray, uh, and they were they were Christians, and I kind of liked them, and they oh, kind of yeah. liked me. I, I'm like, who are these weirdo Christians that just like love the stranger? And I brought that book out with me, 
And I began to read that book and I realized I was completely lost. And so wow. I didn't know what to do. I knew I needed Jesus. It had the four spiritual laws in it. And I ran over to my next door neighbors. Here I am, a 19-year-old kid, punk kid, knocking on their door. It was the easiest conversion of all time next to like the <laughs> Ethiopian eunuch. <laughs> that was I, a setup, sure. Yeah. So I knocked on the door and I just said, hey, I need Jesus. Can you help me? And this old lady named Aunt Carrie took me by the hand. I called her Aunt Carrie. She wasn't related. Um, and she took me by the hand and we knelt at her couch and she prayed for me and she led me into a relationship with Christ right there in their living room. And things radically changed for me mm -hmm. in my that life. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of where I was introduced to Christ and I became a follower of him. So yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Love to hear that. Yeah. So uh this might be a dangerous question, you know, but a previous guest of ours suggested that you might be the most interesting man in the alliance. Uh, would you care to make a guess as to why Spencer Sweeting would describe you that way? I mean, I want to stay humble, right? But I would say, <laughs> I'm not sure why he would say that, except there's parties that I've never uh, attended that I've been the life of. Um, <laughs> that's hard. That, that Alan, probably sums I, it up right there. <laughs> if I punched you in the face, you would have an uncontrollable urge to thank me for it. Um, and then just I would say sharks have a week that is dedicated completely to me. So, so. <laughs> I don't know if that makes interesting, man. Okay. That, uh, <laughs> thank you for prepping for that question, yeah, man. That doesn't. Wow. That is the most interesting answer we've ever had to a question on Equipping You podcast. So, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think, oh, my. I think let's just call him out. I think it was, I, I listened to this episode. I think it was Spencer Sweeting, and my mouth dropped when he said that. And I think it's just like, <laughs> kind of like, I don't know if it was him just like, uh, he's a interesting guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, quotes, yeah. I think that's more what yeah. it is. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> he has a great appreciation for you. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't just mean you're interesting. Yes. But you really are interesting. And I found you interesting too, John. Indeed. We've shared a lot of Indeed. stories together. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to argue against Spence for that. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I will love him. Love so, that guy. so as the most interesting man in the alliance, U.S. will will contain it to the U.S. Okay. Uh, yeah. You've worn, you've worn a lot of different ministry hats. So uh, give us a snapshot of the ways that you've served in the body of Christ. Yeah. So again, I became a Christian at 19. Um, started right away i didn't know any better so i just started telling people about jesus um in my college and people started coming coming to know christ in my college and i teamed up with my brother who had who had become a christian a couple of years before me and was influential in many ways for me coming to christ as well and he and i t recorded an album and i think it was 1988 87 and then we we got a record deal and we we toured for a little bit and so i did that did music um and then after that i was a jingle writer i don't think that's ministry 
Writer. Nothing well, some worship songs are jingles, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And then, um, so I was a youth pastor from 1989 to 2003, a worship leader and youth pastor. And then in 2003 to 2020, I was a church planter in the Alliance. So I planted three churches in central Pennsylvania. So, um, and now what's called Front Yard Mission. Yep. Absolutely. We are excited about that. So uh, apparently uh, you like to start new things. And I know that you like to start new things that help people uh, who are far from their heavenly father come near to him through Jesus. I mean, that, honestly, if somebody asked me to describe you in one sentence, that's how I would describe you. Yep. Somebody that likes to start new uh, things so people who are far away from God can come back to God through Jesus. Uh, I've watched that passion for you. I've heard lots of stories of people that people wouldn't expect would come to Jesus have come to Jesus through the ministries that you've had the privilege of leading. And now you just alluded to something else new that you've started. Uh, I kind of expect something new from you every six or seven years. So this is right on track. Uh, so uh, so here we are, Front Yard Mission. How did it get started? What's it all about? Yeah, I start new things because I get bored. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably telling the truth yeah 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 I'm, I'm a good starter um yeah so like the first third of my ministry career was youth ministry and worship leading like i said and then the kind of the middle of the sandwich part has been church planning and i think the last the remaining years that i have that jesus gives gives us or if he comes back before then whatever uh I, i've dedicated to helping the church love their neighbor because I think it's the most important thing that we can do as believers. And it's the core thing, the great, great commission and the great commandment together um, is the core thing that Jesus has asked us to do and be. I mean, think about think about our identity in Christ. You know, we we're children of God, we're more than conquerors. You know, we have that whole list of identity of who we are, you know. When do we get to neighbor? When we get to our identity as neighbor on that list, I think the church has forgotten in some ways that Jesus took the 613 commands and he boiled them down to love God and love your neighbor. And so mm-hmm. and that's what I'm about. In 2016, um, Susie and I moved into a new neighborhood and we came across that scripture in Acts 17, 26 through 27, where it says that God has determined the times and the places for us to live so that people, men and women might reach out to him and perhaps find him. I had lived a large part of my life really having a lot of identity in being a pastor and um, seeing a lot of fruit and success and being a church planter and pastor, but I had largely forgotten my neighbor. And when I read that passage, God brought me back to a place where we began to focus on, on our neighborhood. And Susie and I became really intentional about loving God and loving our neighbor. And we just got the bug for it. And we love it. And we want to we want to help other people um, love God and love neighbor. So that's, that's kind of what we're doing right now. So I uh, can affirm that you got the bug for it. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) You are infected with it deeply. So, uh, Jonathan, how does front yard mission help individual people live on mission with Jesus? I think, uh, that nearly everybody in our churches, especially in Alliance Alliance, I love the Alliance and I, and I love the church. 
Um, I think just about everybody um, would say that if you, if Terry, if I've heard you preach before, you're a great preacher. Alan, you're all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's accurate, though. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, we want that snippet you're, of this program. You are both yeah. stellar orators of God's word. But um, okay. if you Thank stood you, up and you said, hey, we should all love God and love our neighbor, every person that's a Christ follower in our congregation would say, yes, amen, brother, let's do that. But how many of us really do that? And I think mm-hmm. what Front Yard Mission does is be, a lot of times we don't have a way because we haven't seen a way yet. And so what mm. Front Yard Mission does, it helps individuals um, live on mission and see a way how to do this, how to love our neighbor. Um, what does that look like? So I think that's that's what we're doing. We're trying to teach people three basic rhythms. Um, which which is pray first. I don't want to be in it unless God's in it. So let's pray first. Let's seek him. We have a way to help them. We have a tool to help them pray for their eight closest neighbors and then love all, um, look for practical ways to, to love our neighbors and then invite often. Those are our three rhythms. And when we talk about invite often, there's really four invitations invitation into our space, right? Into our, our, our dining room table, our backyard barbecue, our front yards, inviting them into our space, inviting them into our life, allowing them to get to know us and, to, and getting to know them, and then mm-hmm. inviting them into our faith community, right? That can be mean more than just your church. Like, we always invite our neighbors to serve with us. We do a we do a thing once a year called Serve Week, where all the churches get together and we serve our community and neighborhoods. And we invite our neighbors to do that with us, uh, and and invite them to church as well. And then the last invitation, of course, is our, our invitation into the life of Christ and following Jesus, which is so important, right? So those are the ways that we kind of help individuals and to do that. So. Right. Love it. You know, I'm going to throw you a curveball here because this just popped up to me because I had a recent opportunity to hear you speak. Right. Um, you said something there that has stuck with me ever since. Uh, you said lots of things that have stuck with me over the years. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. But uh, this is a really positive one. Um, you said in loving your neighbor, your neighbor is not the project you are. Can mm. you just tell us about yeah. I think that is so important for us to take into our hearts. Can you unpack that? Yeah, I think one of the big obstacles that we have as Christ followers in loving our neighbor is we don't want our neighbors to think that they're a project, right? We always say the ultimate motivation is for our neighbors to know Jesus. We want them to know know Christ like we know Christ, but it's not our, our ulterior motive, right? It's like like they they can sniff that out. And we always say um, through the great commandment. God is, he's working on your neighbors, but he is working on us. We are the project. God is shaping and transforming us by calling us into mission and into loving our neighbor. So um, we're the project, not them. Don't ever think about your neighbor as a project. Um, God calls us to love them and care for them and and share Christ with them, but they're not the project. God's working on us, and often the ways that he works on us is he 
puts us in uncomfortable, awkward situations also in our on mission and in neighborhood. I lean into the awkward. So yes, you do. (laughs) I think, you know, like one of my like kind of life verses is, is in Proverbs um, 26 and it like most people are not like me. I got to be honest. Uh, I'm an extreme extrovert. And there's a scripture that says, do not set your foot too often in your neighbor's house, lest he hate you. Um, most people don't have to deal with that scripture, but I'm, that's like a constant daily scripture. Okay. You know, back off a little bit, Jonathan, just back off. So anyhow, I feel like I'm really wired to, to do this, but anyhow, yeah, but you we're the wired. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times our ministries get refined as we get more experience and this yours is an exact case that you're getting more and more focused on what God has called made you yeah. to do wired you to do. And I love that. And I'm going to say that project uh, thought has really been one of the more That's significant awesome. I love that. Me. Uh, I don't like, I really don't, I can't become a complete disciple unless I love my neighbor. Right. I won't learn to love like Jesus loves unless I take up the challenge of loving my neighbor who may not always be easy to love. So I am the project. I embrace that. Yes. <laughs> I, love it. And so, so hey, can I can I say this, Alan? Something that you said when I taught on front yard mission for your church is you talked about on purpose, loving on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I I like that phrase has stuck with me. Um, kind of loving on purpose, or you said something. It was, it was, yeah, it was great and wise, but I can't remember the, the full. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Loving on purpose is a great statement all by itself. So it is. It is. Great. So yeah. you you unpack some of the ways that you help individuals uh, love their neighbor, but you also come alongside churches uh, as you did the men of our church. Uh, kind of an introduction yeah. to front garden mission. So how do you help churches rally their people around loving their neighbor? So we've we've uh, created a one day event that gives really the overview because you can't really teach it all one day, but we teach the overview, the rhythms, the obstacles of front air mission, and a strategy for churches um, for front air mission. And I, I want to say too, front air mission is the idea that we're moving from the obscurity of our our backyard to the visibility of our front yard for our neighbors. It's being intentional about uh, both philosophical and, and physically about intersecting with our neighbors. Like we invite, we invite our front yard missionaries, like move your fire pit to the front of your house, have something for your neighbor's dogs, like a, like a, like a water bowl or a, 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 a treats for your neighbor's dogs as they walk by so it's kind of it's kind of that that idea. I wanted to say that we have, we haven't said that yet. So I wanted wanted to say that. So we have a one day event that kind of teaches the principles of front yard mission, and then we started doing coaching with both individuals and churches. Uh, so we're we're doing that right now, and then we're equipping staff and pastors and members uh, who want to fulfill the great commandment. And then we resource uh, churches and individuals to put on what we call catalyzing neighborhood events. So these are kind of uh, medium-sized to bigger events like block parties and that type type of things. But we have we have certain like events that we've created that we've resourced. We have door hangers for people um, in our town. We have like 
um, uni pizza ovens, like wood fired pizza ovens that people use in our town um, that we, we have resourced movie screens for outdoor movies for people that they can get from us to, to do different events in their neighborhood. So that's, that's a big part of what we do. We four, four times a year. Now we are doing our mission kits, which um, we did a hundred in September. We, we did a hundred donut in the driveway kits and they're kind of starter kits to help you get going in front of your mission to have a bigger event in your in your neighborhood right now we're doing 76 kits that we've given out that are cookie kits cookie decorating kits for um for christmas so they're kits designed to have eight to twelve um neighbors over where you just des- where you do cookie decorate not my jam but probably <laughs> That's been wildly popular, those kinds of things in our city in particular, but we're helping resource churches with those kinds of things as well. So teaching the principles, but also kind of showing them a way so they have a way. Yeah. Yep. Sure. So Jonathan, we'd love to hear a story or two or three about people living out their front yard mission. You got a couple of those you could share with us? Yeah. Can I give you one that is one of my favorite stories. And then I'll give you, can I give you a personal one? Um, there you go. Is that okay? Yep. So we've got a couple in our church here. I work with different churches in the area, including the Alliance Church here in town, State College Alliance. Shout out to Aaron Henning. But a guy in our church here at Calvary, his name is Josh and his wife, Wendy. And during COVID, they started to bring in a local band um, because, you know, like I'm a musician and I, I know musicians had a hard time during the pandemic making a living. And they once a month during COVID, they brought in a band to play in their cul-de-sac. So um, they'd have these black parties once a month and they're, they're front yard missionaries. I work with them. And so they they started doing this and and the band, the band themselves started becoming attached to this neighborhood and started like really loving these people and wanting to live in community. So last year they moved, they bought a house in that neighborhood and all the neighbors got together and moved them all in to the, to the neighborhood. So they're part of that neighborhood now. And that's, they're, they're, they're all practicing for our mission in that neighborhood, which we love. So that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool thing. I want to tell a personal story. Um, uh, we had a uni pizza oven night. We had a couple pizza ovens in our neighborhood, and we had about 80 neighbors show up. We had a girl named Kathleen show up. Kathleen is like, uh, she's a theoretical chemist. Um, her parents are like NASA engineers, right? She's like one of the huge, huge IQ, um, super nerdy girl. Um, and she came to our uni pizza oven night. That's the first night we met her. She lived two doors down from us. She lived in a, a, a apartment basement and she saw we had Bernice mountain dogs. And she said, I love dogs. Can I help you walk the dogs? And we said, yes. Yeah. So every day Kathleen walked our Bernice mountain dogs with us. And we just started having a relationship, a friendship and Susie and I would talk to her and we just talk about what was important to us. She talked about what's important to her. Of course, it always gets around to Jesus, right? Because he's mm-hmm. the he's the center of all that we are. And 
so we talk about Jesus, and pretty soon she said, hey, do you think I could go to church with you? And we said, sure. So Kathleen started attending church with us. She was actually way better at attending church than Susie and I were. We were doing a lot of other things in other churches as well, but Kathleen was really committed. And then one day she came to us and she said, um, hey, I'm having an issue with my landlord. Can I move in with you? And we said, sure. So Kathleen moved in with us. And then every day we prayed together as a family. We'd pray for our front yard mission. We'd pray for our eight closest neighbors. And Kathleen had grown up Lutheran and told us that she was a Christ follower. But one day we're sitting there, I think we were watching the Super Bowl, and she just looked over at me and she said, Jonathan, I haven't been honest with you. She said, I've, I've not been a Christian, but I am now. I'm following Jesus now, and I want to tell my friends and my coworkers about Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And um, like, we didn't do anything magical other than just live out front our mission, loving our neighbors, praying for our neighbors, being authentic. I mean, I'm a goofball, you know. Susie's, you know, Susie's got it going, but I'm <laughs> a little bit of a dipstick, and you know, so she saw all the good and bad in us, but. Um, so, yeah, so when she graduated with her PhD in theoretical chemistry, I asked her, how do you want to celebrate? <laughs> she said, I want to I want to have a front yard mission party. So we threw a nice. dinner in the driveway for her and all the neighbors showed up. And uh, so anyhow, so Kathleen is now at Northwestern University. She just moved out when we she when she was leaving. She said, would you guys pray for me? And I'm like, I was crying, you know, I was like. You know, because we'd become really close to her. And I'm like, I I can't, Kathleen. I just can't pray for you. And I'm like, but Susie will because she doesn't have a heart. So Susie <laughs> Susie prayed for her and we sent her off. And they're coming back. Her her family's coming back right after Christmas to spend a week with us. Wow. That was a long story. I'm really sorry. I am positive most people tuned out and switched over to that another not true. that is not true that's a great story got it. they're all out there saying praise god yeah that's a great story no doubt about it so hey you're going to be an author or i guess you already are you're just waiting for it to actually be released right so tell us about your new book so yeah we wrote a book on on front yard mission not sure what it's going to be called yet we have um yeah, I can't really say much. Actually, there's a big meeting going on with a publisher tomorrow, but so um, it takes a while. I don't know if you guys know this, but it takes a while for a book to come out. Once you sign the dotted line, um, it takes a year and a half to two years before the book will even be out. So um, that's too long in this case for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. I really want to really want to uh, get this thing out. I I don't know. I wrote this book with my friend Steve Lutz. He's he's an author, published author, really great writer, um, because we love the church and we believe the church has kind of lost its mission, right? Like we, like the the book is about kind of reclaiming that mission, the, the great commandment again. The church, we win people to Jesus, we we bring them in, we put them through our you know, our classes or our new members classes. And hopefully we get them, maybe if we're lucky, we get them in a discipleship um, situation or class for a few years. And then once we feel qualified that they're qualified, 
we allow them to serve in the church in some way, maybe be an usher or maybe make coffee. But here's the thing, guys. I think Jesus has called us to not just be coffee makers, but to be disciple makers. Amen. And when Jesus set out the 72 in Luke 10, the, the same same passage of the Good, the Good Samaritan where we in a, in a place where we get the great commandment, when he sends out the 72, they had not been Christ followers for that long. And he sends them on mission right away. And they go to these yeah. villages and the towns and they come back with this great report. You know, the demons submitted and people were healed. And Jesus says, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Jesus, they didn't know a lot, but Jesus put them on mission. And we we train people for a long time and we educate them and we don't put them on mission. I believe discipleship is more than just education. It's also demonstration and mission. And so I think they need to be doing both. And what a safe place for them to be on mission. There's no no safer place in their, than their neighborhood to be on mission. So anyhow, that's why we wrote the book. We want to get the church back on mission again, because um, I think largely we've lost that. Well, we pray it'll have great impact. We sure do. We sure do. I love it. It's growing. Um, yeah. So, um, Jonathan, tell our listeners how they can connect with you, how they can connect with Front Yard Mission. So you can connect with us on our socials. We have a, a Instagram page, a Facebook page. Just search Front Yard Mission there. Or you can email me at Jonathan J. Weibel at gmail.com. So those are the places. If you want my phone number, I should I say my phone number on here? Probably, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Can I say my wife's phone number? (laughs) Probably not. No, but we can put your email in the show notes later. So that when people listen later, they can find it there. Okay, great. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, love what you're doing. I love you, brother. And appreciate you you and to talk to us about it today. Absolutely. This has been fun and hell and rewarding and valuable. So it's going to be good on many levels. All right. And I just want to say, I love Spencer Sweeting. All right, good. I'm sure he loves that you love him. (laughs) (laughs) And he loves you too. He does. So off air, Jonathan said we were like mayonnaise and peanut butter. (laughs) Two things you wouldn't think would go well together, but they do. Yeah. But I'm not convinced they do go well together, but we do go well together. I I think we do. I'm just wondering who's mayonnaise and who's peanut butter. I'm definitely peanut butter. No, No I don't think so. I think mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Yeah. I think actually mayo goes better with Alan Mayo Rathbun and Terry Peanut Butter. Yeah, Smith. so the flow the, that kind of flows better. So maybe I should own mayo just because it goes better. My name and Peanut Butter Smith sounds good. I like that. Maybe you could start the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> oh, oh man! If our jokes get any sicker, we will need a clinic. <laughs> yeah, we sure will. Great episode with uh, Jonathan, and I love this. Is right down to the nitty gritty. Yes, nitty gritty. Where we need to be living. Percent it is in terms of. Uh, you know, loving our neighbors and and uh, really wanting to be salt and light right where we live. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, he's been such an inspiration to me in this area. You know, when I, you know, you, all pastors, we can get caught up in the, uh, you know, the stuff of ministry and managing stuff and spinning plates and meetings and uh, we're all we've all done that. And when I, but when I need my my mind refocused on reaching lost people, like 
one of the best people to talk to is Jonathan Weibel, because that man has a passion for lost people finding Jesus. Totally agree. So enjoy uh, listening to uh, episode three, season nine with Jonathan Weibel. And uh, join us next time when we'll be talking to Rob Wagner. Tell us a little bit about Rob, just a little. uh, I'm excited about talking to Rob. Uh, He's lead at uh, the Kansas City Underground uh, and has co-authored a book uh, called The Starfish and the Spirit uh, about really making and multiplying disciples and churches and networks. Uh, And it's a, a, a good look at that that really helps us to get back focused on the multiplying mission that Jesus has given us. It's going to be a great conversation. So you won't want to miss it. Join us next time, episode four. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.